Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. It is January 28th, 2019, Monday night. It's so fucking late. A unique, <laughs> yeah, it's like 1025. It's, it's not great. As it's we start great. this podcast. And yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna run here. I, I will say uh, a warning to our listeners. Last year, when we started off, we did a few late-night podcasts. They were not our best work. So (laughs) just brace yourself. You've been warned. If you stick with us, well, that's your choice. (laughs) So best of luck to you. Yeah, we're going to check SoundCloud after. It's going to be like, listen rate, one minute. Yeah, also a warning. There's going to be a light edit on this one, so it's going to be rough. Yeah, we got to get this out because, long story short, I was in Philadelphia at the game. Mm -hmm. Big win. Big win. Big win. Over the dumpster fire that is the, the pride of New Jersey. Yeah, Jesus. We'll get back <laughs> to that in just a moment. Spent all day down the Philadelphia area, seeing family, friends, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Got back late. Rob's like, fuck you, I'm not coming over to do the podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a minute. Wait, and, back um, up a hot minute. Back yeah. up a hot minute. Because we were out Saturday night, and you're like, hey, man, I'm going down to the game. I'm not going to get back till late. We're going to podcast on Monday. I was like, all right, cool. We're going to podcast on Monday. So it's like 7 o'clock or whatever, and I get a call on Sunday night being like, hey, man, I'm not going to get back till like 9, so like we could podcast tonight or tomorrow. I was like, what the fuck? You already told me we're going to podcast on Monday. So that's on you. That no, one's on you. Nope. No, no, take no responsibility for this. That's what we do. Like we said last time, you find a partner. Why? So you can blame them. That's correct. That's why I found that's you. That's correct. That's yep. how you get married, folks. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Luckily, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's just get into it. So first things first, we got to talk about the game. We had games? Yeah, yeah. We had games. Games. <laughs> multiple. Seton Hall was no, not aware that we had games. Yeah, no. Seton Hall <laughs> is still not aware that there was a game played yesterday. Good God. They like went to a, a visiting arena. They went on a court for a while. They went and had a media session. Yeah. And they went home. And I don't think it still occurred to them that they played a, a Division One basketball game. Yesterday. Pretty sure they thought it was a practice. Yes. Yeah. They were a train wreck. But yes, yeah. we had games. Yeah, we had games. Earlier this week, we played at historic Hinkle Field House in Indianapolis. Great and win. Great win over Butler, who is a bubble team fighting for a spot. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to the bubble, too. <laughs> right? We had an excellent week. This we said a couple weeks ago or last week that that was the best week of the season so far. I think we just had the best week I of the season. No, I, I don't want to go that far. I, I think the difference is that the best week of the season back then a couple weeks ago was because we were still trying to figure things out. Now, two things that I think are different. One, we've more figured things out, and this is just kind of continuing rolling. Second thing is, the rest of the Big East is falling apart, so I wasn't as excited about the wins. So <laughs> it was a good week. And what we said last podcast was, hey, if we come out of this past week 2-0, and we are going to be in a great spot to win the Big East. And, well, the rest of the Big East is helping that situation for sure. But I feel excited about the week. We are in a great spot. To come in first or second in the Big East. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything short of oh first and second at this juncture would mean something went terribly wrong. But again... It would mean that Tim Delaney is playing serious minutes <laughs> for the rest of the year. Shouts 
to Timmy Delaney. Got on the court. Yep. Good to see him on the hips. court. Timmy the hips Delaney. Love it. Gonna see him in Murray Hill next year. <laughs> yeah. At the bars in 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 Manhattan. There's no question. He's I heard he already out. has a regular recurring reservation at uh, Turtle Bay. <laughs> bar's not even Is that still anymore. a bar? No. I don't even know. <laughs> no, my like sister used to go there when she was in college. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Turtle Bay was no, oof. no. Good to see Timmy Delaney yeah. and Seton Hall. You know, we, we joked about it, but Seton Hall looked fucking awful. Whoa, we said this last week. We actually called something. We said this last week. Will Kevin Willard keep his team together? No. No, no. no. Seton Hall has clearly reached the team infighting portion of the schedule. Absolutely. Which happens around this time every year. Here's how it goes. They get off to a start, and everyone's like, wow, they're a little bit better than when we thought they were going to be in, like, November and December. Then they go away for break. They... I don't know what happens during that. <laughs> yeah, I don't you get, know. Like, they win a game or two early in January, and you're like, okay, this team still kind of got it, and like, all right, whatever. They drop a game or two that they shouldn't drop, and then they hit a, then they hit a wall where they lose two or three in a row, and then they look totally dejected for like an entire three weeks. Yeah. This has been the Seton Hall MO for like four or five years running. Yeah. Right, and and then there's and then you hear reports that there's team infighting. Like the Asbury Park Press is covering it, and being <laughs> like, "What the hell is going on?" Like the New York Post was drilling them and St. John's. Oh, we'll get to that. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. plenty, plenty of time on yeah, that. Seton Hall has reached clearly reached the team infighting portion of their schedule. This will be going on for another couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden they're going to go on a late run and probably find their way back into the tournament discussion because what they have is. A couple really good wins. Really fucking good wins. Yeah. They, they beat Kentucky and Maryland, Maryland and St. John's when St. John's looked like a good team, which yeah. we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. But, yeah, they should, in theory, be pretty good. Right. They were horrible. They're terrible. We looked like we looked like 2018 villains. Oh, yeah. We, we fucking... Oh, yeah. Well, in the second half. In the second that half. That first yeah. half was horrible. It was miserable to watch. Yeah. So I was at the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I was yeah. at the game. Sixteen to seventeen thousand. I wasn't exactly sure what the number is. Maybe fifteen thousand. I'm people sure that. they announced it as twenty-five thousand, twenty percent over capacity. Yeah, with like the best fans in the history of college <laughs> yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the place was a fucking morgue. Was and it? I don't necessarily blame them. That first half, I tweeted out. I that first half, literally, I was like, "This game sucks." Oh yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, I'm sitting there with my like little cousins. Right, they're like. Playing on their phone, they're basically like, "Fuck this! This this, <laughs> yeah. this game sucks." Do, like, do why they, do they play basketball? Uh, one of them does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, second, say, the second oldest is pretty good. Actually, like thinking back on this, this gift to the family was really like a gift to you and Uncle Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the kids are just like along for the ride. You're like, it's yeah. like when I got my dad a GI Joe for his birthday when I was growing up, and yeah. he's like. Yeah, thanks, son. What the fuck am I going to do with a G.I. Joe, you <laughs> dick? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah, so my Uncle Chris um, and I both went to Villanova. So yeah. did his wife. He's a, Wait, he's a good dancer, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yes, my Uncle Chris um, is famous for, at big family events, yeah. doing the entire John Travolta dance from Saturday Night Fever. That's his claim to fame. I thought I remembered that. Yep. Does, he, does he listen? He listens, right? He is a listener of the podcast. He's a friend of the pod. What's up, what's up, Uncle Chris? He's kind of an uncle of the pod, I guess you would say. Was that a joke? I don't know. No, I wasn't sure. Yeah. That was, that's rough. You're going to edit that out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's staying in. <laughs> that's staying in, folks. All right. Moving on. Moving on. So, yeah, my little cousins are like totally like, this game sucks. Like, 
my aunt asked oh i'll pull it up my aunt asked uh my younger cousin uh who is like six years old said what was your favorite part of the game and her favorites were the guy who balances all that stuff so at halftime they had tyler's amazing balancing act and the guy was actually amazing he was like balancing like ladders and bicycles and like all these things he was walking up ladders and had like bound it was crazy Good it was for crazy. Him. Good for Tyler. Yep. The cheerleaders, uh, the cotton candy, <laughs> the Coke. <laughs> she has her priorities, right? Yeah. The Coke, yeah. She got some from some girls down the student section. Oh, oh zing. <laughs> um, the fries and the Rita's. <laughs> and then last after that was, oh, we won. So that's my six year old cousin's take on the game. So that's like what she, that was her takeaways, I, which I is about it. right. It's about right. Yeah. We won 80 to 52, and it wasn't that close. Yeah. I thought we were going to pull a Tony on Seton Hall. Oh, it was close. They hit a three late in the game. Yeah. But we did get a new man, uh, Shaq man fit, sorry, Shaq fit man play of the week this week. Brandon Slater. Absolutely. Demolished a block at the end of that game. Yes. That was ridiculous yeah they're just adding just adding insult to to that game yeah they didn't need any more of that and it was like oh i think there's a turnover on the play and seton hall was running back like fast break he's just like no <laughs> no we're good we're good here <laughs> but yes yeah so shout out to to brandon slater he doesn't get a lot of run so he made the most of it to get the shack fit man play of the week yeah. and i think we should talk while we're on the topic of Ooh, brandon slater shall we yeah let's do it the rumor flying around... And there's nothing we do better than rumor monger here. Yes. <laughs> yes. The rumor flying around, is we said last week, is why isn't Brandon Slater redshirting? Fun fact, he doesn't fucking want to. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean... Yeah. yeah. The all understanding right. is that... And again, I'm going off of blogs and Twitter sphere and all that right, shit. Right, right. They asked Brandon Slater, do you want a redshirt? And he was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I just want to be in college four years and then get the hell out. I'm good, dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't care if I play a minute a game yeah. or nothing. But I, I, I mean, yeah. look. It, hey, I kind of get it. I kind of get it, too. And, and look, it, it's obviously his choice. It's his career. He does what he wants. It's not like – he's not quite like Bridges where you would say, oh, this dude is so thin – he needs a year to bulk up. Or Spellman, he needs a year to bulk down. <laughs> he's he's a super fit guy. He's got a body that, yeah, he'd probably want to put on a little muscle before trying to go to the NBA. Like, he just needs some reps. And I guess in theory, yeah, he could, over the next four years, and, you know, three and a half, I guess, with what he's got left, like, sure, I could see a path where he becomes a starter and has a great year his senior year. Absolutely. He looks like he's kind of having fun with it, too. Yeah, I mean... He's got a great attitude His body language looks great. He seems like he's having fun on the court. So, whatever, dude. It, that was his choice. He seems to be going with it. And yeah. that's, that's what my wife always says to me. I'm super indecisive. She's like, just make a fucking decision and go with it. Right. He made a fucking decision and he went with it. Yeah. And for that, he gets rewarded with the Shaq fit. Man play of the week. That's right. By the way, this is not endorsed at all by John Shackleton. No, no, no. <laughs> he's, probably gonna, just... he's probably going to DM us and be like, guys, like, you, you, you can't do that. <laughs> like, all right. Sorry, man. He's going to cease and desist. <laughs> cease and desist. Sorry. Sorry um, all right. So then in terms of analysis of the Seton Hall game, the only other thing I have to say is Phil Booth is just on one right now. 
The oh, dude yeah. is on a fucking heater. Absolutely. Like, and it's one of the ones that, like, in recent memory, I'm trying to think of a time when a, a guy was on this much of a heater. Scotty Reynolds's came to mind, like uh, some of his runs. Jenkins tournament. Jenkins tournament, but it wasn't like he was always putting up like twenty five. Yeah, but it, you got the feeling, you had the sense like he wouldn't miss because he had the Miami game. Yeah, he was generally. I think we did the analysis before. He was shooting like forty five percent from three in like the lighter latter half of the season. So I think there's an argument to be made for it. Yeah, Phil Booth though but, is Phil Booth is demanding the ball. Heart. Early conference and late non-conference of 2016-2017. Oh, that Notre Dame game comes yeah, to mind. But that, yeah, but that was like for a string of games. He had yeah. the whole team on his back. Yeah. Right? And Pascal, by the way, has been incredible too. But Phil Booth's just on a heater. Yeah, the, the takeaway from these two games is basically, all right, we've got our alpha dogs. And the difference between the beginning of the season and now is basically that the alpha dogs have shown up and are just like, arf, arf, feed me. <laughs> Is that what sound alpha dogs make? <laughs> no. Arf, arf. I'm not an alpha dog, all right? Yeah. Clearly not an alpha dog. I'm also not a basketball player, so yeah. anyway, that's some in-depth analysis. The alpha dogs are here to play arf, arf. <laughs> oh, God. So, no, so in all seriousness... They've been they've been terrific. I think the biggest thing that's made a difference is yeah they've been hot, but I think the other players are making plays to get them open or make them yeah or, or give them put them in a better position to succeed and are at least dangerous enough that opposing defenses have to cover them and can't sling off of them too much. Yeah, except for Jermaine Samuels. Oh yes, can we talk about Samuels? Yes. So look, the only time during the entire game in Seton Hall where the crowd made any noise was audible groans. When Jermaine Samuels wouldn't shoot the ball. And that brings up a funny story of mine from literally like 10 years ago. So it's the 2000, I think it's the 2008-2009 season. I think it's our, our, the final four year. Okay. We're playing in a turkey tournament at the Palestra down in Philadelphia. Wow, we really went for the great tournaments back in the day. Oh, no, this tournament was <laughs> awful. Like, I think the best opponent that we played was like Towson. Yikes. Yeah, no, it was bad. <laughs> and... They are so we're playing as and it's basically like three practice games. Yeah. Like we blow everyone out in this tournament and it was stupid. Yeah. Right? Nobody went. Nobody was there. <laughs> like the Palestra is a hot box arena. It seats like I don't know, call it's it a hot box arena. Eight eight thousand. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know the exact capacity. Call it eight, yeah. Call it eight thousand. And it's like basically concrete walls, like you would in like your high school gym. So it's loud in there. Are dreams made of it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So you can hear, if there's no one there, you can literally hear everything that everyone says. Sure. Right? So it was kind of cool to be that there. So there was like no one there. So you move right up to the front row. We had student section tickets, but like student section was like three rows, but it didn't matter anyway. Yeah. And it was like me and like a few other people. And we're sitting like basically next to the Villanova bench. Anyway. It was down at the end where we were playing offense near our bench. That was where it was set up during the half. Shane Clark, and he did this all the time. Oh, he would catch the ball, up fake, do some weird move <laughs> with his legs. I never understood that. He like didn't really have control of his limbs. He was all like the, the most fluid person yeah. ever. It was so strange. Good player, Final Four guy. Yeah. Like made a big difference in that run senior yeah. year. But like 
legs were kind of like wobbly, etc. And even if he didn't travel, the referee's like, well, I got to fucking call something. Because that looked <laughs> There's ridiculous. There's too much movement. <laughs> yes, yeah. That looked ridiculous. So he got whistled for travels all the time. So he catches the ball in the corner, is wide open, <laughs> up fakes to fake out literally nobody. <laughs> right? Yeah. Does that weird move, gets whistled <laughs> for a travel. As this is happening... Pat Chambers, who's now the coach at Penn State, who might be on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, might be on the hot seat. Pat Chambers is watching as the assistant coach, and he goes, Shane, shoot the fucking ball! <laughs> and literally because there's 30 people there, the entire arena hears it. It's like, oh! <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. Right, because they're just yelling like it's a normal basketball game. Yeah. Because if there's 20,000 people, no one can hear that. Yeah, people sitting absolutely. right there. Right? That's amazing. Shane, shoot the fucking ball. <laughs> and that was basically how everyone felt with Samuels. Dude, why isn't Samuels shooting? I, I don't get it. We've talked about this on multiple episodes before, that we loved Jay's adjustment to start Samuels because it spaces the floor. And why does it space the floor? Because, because he, he shoots the fucking ball. Right. And when you're not shooting the fucking ball, you might as well have Dada out there. Right, exactly. In, in, in all seriousness, you might as well have Dada there. Right, because you get better defense. You get better rebounding. Better job around the rim. Yeah. Yeah. Demir Crosby, Roundtree. Great, great job around the rim. Great job around the rim. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, But yeah, actually, if that's going to be Samuel's approach, put in Dada. He, lose, he should lose his spot. He should lose his spot playing the five. Fair. He should lose his spot playing the five. That, that's totally fair. I don't get it. It's not It's not like, look, he hasn't been a prolific three-point shooter, but he's actually had several games where he's hit some big three-pointers. Yeah. He should have the green light. And Jay preaches that everybody has the green light, unless you're like a shit shooter, right? Right. So I can't imagine Jay was like, hey, man, don't shoot the ball anymore, because that would fuck up the offense and it would be totally opposite to his entire philosophy. Right. I don't get it. Totally opposite. Like, we're so over-indexed on shooting three-pointers right now. Yes! Right. Like, what? It's one of those things where the whole Villanova fan base, like, the guy gets any... The guy gets the ball is remotely open. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to out. Yeah. So, like, it's literally, like, every time he got it, it's like, oh, And there were some really open looks. Yes. Like, looks where I feel... I'm pretty sure Seton Hall was like, oh, yeah, he's going to shoot that. I'll go rebound. And they're like, wait... Oh, you didn't shoot it? Oh, okay. All right. That's cool. <laughs> it was wild. It was really right. wild. So those yeah. are my takeaways from the Seton Hall game. I wish I could go back to the Butler game because that game was a hard-fought, like, tough win. Like, we just pulled away in the end, and it was really a terrific victory. Um, yeah, we had we hadn't won in That was one years. of the best wins this team's had this year. So it was, yeah. I mean, look, it, and you look at the record and be like, ah, Butler's like not that great. But like we talked about before, Hinkle is a super tough place to play. That game was all Pascal. That was yeah. an Eric Pascal game for sure. He was he was the man of that game. Twenty three points. That game was was one of the Quinterly mysteries. Oh yes, the Quinterly mysteries. Although unsolved mysteries. I was going to say Quinterly. the Quinterly mystery continued a bit in Seton Hall. He played later in the game. He had a rough rough first half <laughs> that was an alpha dog rough rough first half <laughs> yes against yeah, Seton Hall. Arf first half. <laughs> arf. Um, good god folks yeah no well i we, mean wait, part we, of the bad first half though was he got whistled for two bullshit calls he also got he, he gets put in for 
one play. It's like he's this specialty relief pitcher in baseball where it's like, oh, we've got one batter here who happens to be left-handed and bats with one leg, so you can go pitch to him. Yeah. Like, that's what Jay's doing. Like, oh, oh do this one play. It's like, like in those old-timey cartoons when, like, they're on stage or whatever and doing, like, a silly performance or whatever, and literally you see the hook come. Yeah, And, like, yes. pull him off. Like, does one <laughs> stupid thing. Hook, nope, you're out. A- absolutely. Right. It, ridiculous. There's a no-mistake for Javon Quinterly policy right now. It's kind of bullshit, Yeah, as we talked about before. But, but yeah, he got three minutes in the Butler game. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. But he played more in the Seton Hall game. I thought in the second half when he had a little bit more time and a little bit less pressure to not make mistakes, I thought he looked pretty solid. Yeah. He was part of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 lineup yes. that we rolled out, which is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch the game, at one point we had five players on the court, as you do in basketball, and their really? numbers— yeah, I'm so I'm told. So I'm told. I haven't. Alabama had a game last year. They had three, <laughs> which was unreal. And they came <laughs> back. Won. They they net one when they had three players on the court. Um, but yes, we had players numbered one, two, three, four, and five on the court. It was very exciting. Very exciting. It was the highlight of the weekend. All right, what do you want to do here? Do you want to take a break now, and then come back and talk Big East? I guess so. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Let's take the a second break. half of the podcast is just there's gonna be some fireworks in the second half of the podcast. That's right. Absolutely. We're gonna talk about the Big East, yeah. and it's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna be pretty. But it will be fun. <laughs> will so it? will it? <laughs> yeah. So stick around. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from the Full Forty with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, NovaInsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also, look out. We're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 Podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's a full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. In case you forgot. Quick update. We said on the ad just now that we're going to do a t-shirt with Nova Insider. Yes. Yeah, we got an update. That's coming down the pike soon. Students are going to design it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You can bank on it happening just like you can bank on Seton Hall falling apart at the end of every season. <laughs> yep. So, and so, with that. So look, we had a conversation on the podcast a few weeks ago where we said, there's no bottom to the Big East. <laughs> and it turns out that statement's not true. There's Villanova, who's now number 14 in the country. Yep. Marquette, who's now number 10. Woo! Top 10 team. Nice. In the country. And... The bottom. The bottom. <laughs> yeah. Fucking everybody. So we're going to go team by team here and tell you exactly how everyone is doing and how they look. Yeah. Bear, bear with us, folks. Yeah, bear with us. All right. So we got Villanova and um, Newsflash. We're good. Pretty good. Turns out we're good. We're 16 and 4. And we're actually, we, we did a quick look around the top 25 and we're like, yeah. Yeah, we're good. I feel I feel good about most we're, of these teams. We're top twenty in Ken Palm, top ten adjusted efficiency in uh, offense. Got some work to do defensively. <laughs> yeah, defense mm, not so much. Yeah. But yeah, it, as discussed, we're pretty good. Yeah, Seton Hall helped those stats a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so that's Villanova, Marquette, looking real good. 
pretty good. Great out of conference. Good win over Wisconsin, which is looking better and better and better and better because Wisconsin has really turned the corner. Yeah. Beat, they beat Michigan, handed Michigan their first loss. Oh, indeed they did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And and then let's go down from here. So we got Georgetown, who sucks. Sucks. Uh, Providence, who sucks. Pretty sure they suck. Yep. Creighton, who sucks. They kind of suck. Hall. Dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. St. John's. Dumpster Ab- fire. Absolute dumpster fire. Yep. DePaul. What's below dumpster fire? It's interesting because DePaul, it's like you suck, but it's like, oh, they, they but they, they suck. They only suck. They only suck. That's actually an improvement. Yeah, yeah. So compliment to DePaul, dumpster fire. They only suck. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Butler. You know, I want to say dumpster fire, but I, I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Hot mess. Hot mess. Hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> and Xavier sucks. Xavier sucks. Yeah, Xavier's <laughs> not good at all. Well, ladies and gents, that was the Yeah, that's the rundown of the Big, Big East. East. All those teams that we said suck or dumpster fire or hot mess or whatever all have three wins <laughs> in the conference. I cannot remember a time I've ever seen a Big East standings anywhere like this or yeah. any conference. It's just weird. So looking ahead to this upcoming week of our games, we're playing – one of the teams ranked between 3 and 10 in the conference. And then on, on later in the weekend, we're playing one of the teams ranked between 3 and 10 so in the bad. conference. It's so bad. Um, Just circle February 9th on your count. That's when we're playing Marquette. Yeah. At any other point, we could be playing teams 3 or 10 or anywhere in between in the conference when we play those teams. Yeah. It, it's, it is, it's not a great spot to be. And we, I feel like we keep going back and forth between a few weeks ago – Multiple weeks ago, we were like, yeah, the Big East is fun and competitive and great. And now we're kind of like, ugh, it's not very good. No. It's, it's really no. not very no, good. No, no, it's really ridiculous. And what's happened here is this, right? Like, if, like actually digging into what's going on here. DePaul is improved. So you don't have, a, you don't have like an Ofer team in this league. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we talked about, we joked that there is no bottom or there is all bottom, right? DePaul is in the bottom. Yeah. Right. Xavier isn't good, but Xavier's still got a lot of carryover. We talked about this last week from a lot of teams that were very competitive in the last year. So they have enough veterans to win some games that they wouldn't normally win. Yeah. Right. But they're not good, but yeah. you get hot and you have a couple players who play well and yeah. have some good experience and you're going to win some games. Sure. Georgetown is upstart. Patrick Ewing is actually a pretty solid coach. Eh, and I think, I think we'll and see they have a senior. In Govan. Yeah, Govan's And good. they have, like, an upstart freshman in Mac McClung. Yeah. Who is kind of like, uh, almost like, a, he's not like a Reynolds because he's not that good, but, like, he's kind of got, like, that, like, Yeah, I can freshman, see that. He's, freshman moxie type guy. This is like, a guy who's, He's not that quick. He's a scorer. Yeah. He elevates better than Reynolds does. Yeah, no, he's sure. more athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see, I see where you're going with that. I see yeah. where you're going with that. He's one of those guys who is just like, oh, yeah, he's just going to do stuff. Yeah, I like right? that. And and you're going to hear him a lot as a freshman. Yeah. And he's going to be one of those guys who senior year you're going to be like this guy's still fucking playing. He's absolutely going to be a four-year player. Yeah, he's going to be a four-year player that feels like an eight. Yes, for right. sure. Yeah. Okay, Providence has Ed Cooley and Ed Cooley is one of the better coaches. I, I yeah, I wanted to stop a minute on the on the coach point actually. So this is kind of interesting to me too. Like it's I don't know, if I think about the coaching pool that way, because because you can break down records into. I, I like what you were doing with this. There's also an element of there's a talent element, and then there's like a coaching element. 
And the talent level in general across the Big East is, is net probably down a little bit. Oh, this it's year. For down sure. for it's down, sure. Right. But like our talent's down as well too. But then I look at like the coaches that we've got, right? Jay Wright has now elevated himself to obviously first ballot Hall of okay. Fame coach. Like he is right. just on another stratosphere, right? Yeah. Top top five coach in the country, period. I just feel like all these guys, when they when they're preparing for Villanova, it's like, oh fuck, it's Villanova week. Yes. Like, I've got to face Jay Wright and company. Right. Versus, even a few years ago, you've got guys like Chris Mack. Like, Chris Mack knows he wasn't on necessarily Jay Wright level, but I, I got the impression... Oh, he, he got fucking demolished got by Jay every Wright. Every time. But I felt like he he saw himself, or at least carried himself, with the same attitude of like, yeah, like, I'm a pretty fucking good coach, because he actually has a track record of success at Xavier. Yeah, well, and they beat up on teams in the Big East, too. They, they did, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the guys we have now, it's a combination of unproven faces, and let's talk about fucking St. John's. It's a combination of unproven faces, and the guys who are a little bit more proven, your Ed Cooley's and your Greg McDermott's, being a little bit of a down year for them. So yes. the combination together, you end up with, Whatever the hell is happening in the rest of the conference, and then you got new coaches too, right? You got you yeah, got Levar Jordan, yep, yep, at Butler, Travis who's done Steel. a nice job. You have Travis, Travis Steele, <laughs> Steele, Travis Steele, um, at Xavier, who's new coach. Yeah, um, you got Ewing, who's a new coach, but actually is pretty solid. Seems to be all right. I think he's solid, and then you got. Yeah, you got McDermott, who I agree with. And then you got, like, Seton Hall, who's got Kevin Willard. As we discussed earlier. Kevin Willard is not a bad coach, but, like, him... I put, actually, him and Wojciechowski in a similar vein. Animated, high-energy coach, rides too high and too low emotionally with his yeah. guys, and, like, it creates clash and it creates chaos, yeah. and they lose games they shouldn't lose because they panic... And they win games, though, that they shouldn't win because they get all on the right page at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, you, get, you ever have a friend who you jive with sometimes and other times you fight with all the time? Yeah, I, feel I, like, I podcast with them all the time. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it feels like with, with, with those guys. And then you have, and then you have Chris Mullen, oh, who yeah. is just not a good coach. He's not a good coach. He's not a coach. He's not Chris Mullen, not a coach, not the coach of St. John's. He's it, you're absolutely right. He's not the coach. The assistant coaches are the coaches of St. John's. Chris Mullen is a figurehead to get recruits and get alumni donations. Yeah, if you have, if you haven't seen this clip, go Google it. Yeah, look on Twitter, look on Reddit, look on whatever the cool kids are using these yeah. days for social media. There is a great clip of Chris Mullen. They are in this dog fight. Against Georgetown, right. right? This is like season on the line type shit. Yeah, they, but it's Georgetown in Madison Square Garden. This yeah. is like Sunshine's Georgetown. This is like a historic rivalry. Right, absolutely. They're in they're in this battle, and there's this great there's this great recording during a timeout. The assistant coach of St. John's is like yelling at everybody. They're like, God, this guy is Chris Mullen is fucking tying his shoes. Wait, the best part is he's tying his shoes. He's tying his shoes. The best part about that video is. He ties his right shoe. It takes him like five minutes to do that. I don't understand why. Then it takes another five minutes to tie his left shoe. Then he looks up for just like a hot minute. And it's just like, hey, you guys don't do that. And then goes back to tying his shoes again. It's just unreal. Unreal. 
Ridiculous. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand. No, the New York Post absolutely demolished Mullen. He's got to be out. He's got to be out this year. I, I, yeah, but like, you can't. No, you can, though, because this is his fourth year. Believe it or not, he's been there for four years. Four years, you've gotten a shot. You've brought your own guys in, and this St. John's team has enough talent to yeah. be better than what they are. You have the preseason Big East Player of the Year in Shmore Ponds. You have Mustafa Heron, who was basically a steal that they were able to get from Auburn. He has a top-flight guard in the country, period. Like, that is a great pickup. The two of them together are alpha dogs, arf, arf, and should carry St. John's to the postseason. Yeah. And they're not. They're not currently. Now, now that being said, can this team get to 12 wins in the Big East? They still have the talent on the roster to do it. Sure. Like, nine more wins. Can they go nine and three? No way. Oh, sorry. That doesn't make any sense. Nine and one? No, they're not going nine and one. <laughs> they could get to. They could maybe get to. I don't even know. Seven and three. They go seven and three. If they get seven, seven, they get to twenty-two wins before the Big East tournament. Like, they could get in. They have to go on a heater. But the team is. They were article in in New York Post was just like, oh, I feel like. As a team, we've all parted ways at this point. Is what Shamori Pond, Pond said. Yeah, that is horrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You talk about losing the locker it's just, room. It just That's doesn't make crazy. it just doesn't make any sense. I, I I just feel like Mullen. I don't think Mullen will get fired. I think he might just leave. I, think I don't he think might. he cares. Yeah. You see him on the sideline, and then look. Every coach has a different demeanor. You see Mullen on the sideline. He's like, oh, I guess I'm getting paid for this game. I should probably pay attention. No, I'm gonna tie my shoe. Like, he, he doesn't care. Yeah, I just don't he think he gives out. a shit. Yeah, he's totally, it's weird. Super weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, look, he, the weird thing is, he was a weird hire. He wasn't, he was a weird hire. He was never a coach before. Yeah, he's a St. John's legend. I get it. He's not a coach. Right. Move on from him. Um, should we talk a little bit about, so we've obviously got the, the crazy dumpster fire of the Big East. That said, we're still thinking we're going to have more than two bids in the tournament. Yes. Yes. Okay. So... If you follow us on Instagram, um, friend of the pod and former podcast guest, Sandra Rocco, mm. posted He's on right. his feed that it looks like that we were talking about the podcast and actually, in fact, that we were. And what I was doing at that moment was explaining to Rob mathematically how his over-under of three and a half at the time <laughs> yep. was a bad number and four and a half was actually the right number. Yeah. And... Now I'm kind of back to three and a half, but the math, <laughs> the math still works here. It, I, I mean, the bottom line is, so when we had this conversation, the takeaway for me was actually like, oh, when you actually run the numbers on this, yeah, the Big East basically has to get more than just two bids. Correct. Literally to fill out the bracket. Yes, based on the out of conference schedule, barring a disaster. Yeah. The Big East, the Big East has to get no less than three. No less than three. And at the time we had this conversation, it was really no less than four. Yeah. And I basically proved it out. But it, but Seton Hall and St. John's have been so bad that now it's like all up for grabs. Yeah, for sure. Right. So so here's the deal. Going down – so I did this analysis and basically the point is this. 68 bids in the NCAA tournament, 32 automatic qualifiers, there's 32 conferences, and 36 at-large bids. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's what you need to know. 
on the bare bones of it. Going through bracketologies and looking it up, right? Basically what you have here is you have nine conferences that have a shot at being multi-bid conferences. And of those nine, seven actually like have a pretty good shot. Those conferences are, unsurprisingly, the Big Ten, who's the best conference, I think, this year, ACC, SEC, Big 12, American, Pac-12, and the Big East. Yeah. Right? And, oh, by the way, the Pac-12 isn't a multi-bid conference like three, four, five, six, seven. No. Two. They're terrible. Max two. They're terrible. From the Pac-12. Right? The American, two or three. You got Cincinnati. And you got Houston, and they might get a third team in there. UCF kind of looking good. Yeah. And then you have the Big 12 has always been really good. And those other conferences, Big 10, ACC, SEC, all, all really good. Big 10 being the, the best yeah. conference right now in terms of number of bids that they're going to get in. Okay. So we ran the math, and I'm not going to do all the math for you. But essentially, as of right now, there are, yeah, there are roughly 25 at-large bids that are pretty much locked up. Yeah, like like these guys, if it started today, these guys would be in. Yes. Like kind, of, kind of no doubt. Yeah. Almost barring a collapse, 25 teams are pretty much already set. Yeah. I'm not telling you which teams because there might be some movement, whatever, but 25 teams are set. Yeah. Okay. You have, and that takes up, that's the at-large pool. That takes up nine conferences. You have... Again, you have 32 automatic qualifiers. So you have 57 you have 57 bids accounted for. That leaves 11 bids on the bubble to be taken. And they're going to be taken by one of these multi-bid conferences. Yeah. So when you boil it down by process of elimination, the Big East has to get three or four teams. And it's not like, and when we did this, it's not like we're skipping. It's not like, oh, the Big Ten doesn't get any of their bubble teams in. No, we're like actually giving credit to basically the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC for all of their bubble teams. Like, yeah, yeah, you get them all. Right. You get them all. And then, like, what's left over is there's still a few left, and it's like, ah, oh, you can do the Big East or you can pull from the Pac-12. And it's like, well, Pac-12 blows. Pac-12's terrible. The American sucks. Yeah. Right? The Big 12 is just not going to have enough teams to hand out bids to because someone's got to lose in that conference. Yeah. Right, so like we just kind of get it by default. Yeah, we're weird. gonna get because we had and we didn't have a great but good enough. And we talked about Seton Hall's wins. We talked about St. John's wins. Like our net, which is the new kind of RPI. Yeah, our net and our strength of schedule overall by the conference is just gonna be good enough. Yeah, to if, manufacture bids. If somebody whoever rises up to third and fourth in the Big East, if they can get any little bit of separation, they'll kind of lock themselves into a spot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So, I mean, like, yeah. So, I think three and a half is the number now only because St. John's and Seton Hall are in free fall. Yeah. But bottom line is we're going to get at least three. And it actually might be four or possibly five if there's a couple teams that can get hot. Yeah, we'll see. And every team right now in the Big East, despite their conference record of being under 500, except for Villanova Marquette, is over 500 still. So it's still in play for all the teams in the Big East. Yeah. Somebody's got to make moves, though. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Should we move on? Probably don't have too much left. Um, I do want to make a quick announcement. If you didn't see it, so we don't talk about our recruits too much. Obviously, we've got a great recruiting class next year coming in. 
Um, two of our guys, Brian Antoine and Jeremiah, is it Robinson Earl or Earl Robinson? I never, Robinson Earl. Robinson Earl. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, J-R-E, both announced as McDonald's All-Americans. So what does that mean for next year? Well, it means that they're going to get two to three minutes a game, a lot of did-not plays, and occasionally they'll uh, turn the ball over, as we've seen with, uh, with JQ this year. So anyway, uh, but in all seriousness, um, awesome news for those guys. It's so great to have another two guys who are McDonald's All-Americans. We've ended like another stratosphere of recruiting, as we've talked about. So be on the lookout for them. I'm calling it not next year, not a national championship, two years from now. A national championship or a final four. This no, team I'm two years from now is going to be this year ridiculous. national championship, twenty nineteen national championship. Oh, nice. Twenty twenty national championship. Wow, that's a, that's a bold call. Yeah. All right, that's a, you heard it here first. Yep. That's a, that's a four in a row. I guess. Four, four in a row. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's that. And then um, parting shots. I think last thing is a quick heart monitor. I think Josh Hart's heart monitor is actually racing a little bit right now. Yes. It's, uh, it's not great. As the Lakers are trying to get Anthony Davis. Yeah. If you don't follow NBA, Anthony Davis is a terrific young player, one of the best players in the league. Recently announced yeah. that he does not want to re-sign with the New Orleans Pelicans and wants to be traded. Purely because what kind of fucking team names themselves the Pelicans? I mean, there are worse names. They were the... Hornets. New Orleans Hornets, which had no relevance to New Orleans, but at least the Pelicans like kind of relevant. In any case, he wants to get traded. LeBron wants him. The Celtics wants him. So now it's basically, what can the Lakers do to get Anthony Davis? Well, what they can do is trade Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and uh, Kyle Kuzma to get Anthony Davis, which would mean... Or they could just trade Josh Hart straight up. That's true. Actually, they would probably sign up for that. <laughs> That's what I would do. And so in honor, I actually I wore my, my Josh Hart jersey to podcast tonight. Yes. Because it, Josh Hart. Future New Orleans Pelican yeah, Josh was, Hart. I'm going to need a new one pretty soon. But, but in any case. He still seems pretty far away from getting the bed bugs. Yes. No bed bugs in his future. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's probably it. Yeah, we're good. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We'll be back on normal time. Yes. Uh, dropping Sunday uh, for your Monday morning commutes uh, this week. Sorry for the late pod this week, and sorry not, for a shitty podcast. We're not that sorry. No. You chose to listen to it. Yep. That's on you. That's All right. right. All right. Thanks, everyone, again, for listening to The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.